0: Hello and uh, welcome to this podcast on the Charities Act of 2022 with me, Phil Frost. I'm pleased to be with you to take you through a number of things that the Charities Act 2022 does. But before we go into what it does, let me just give you a little bit of background and particularly importantly, one thing that it does not do. So earlier on this year, we had the Charities Act 2022. It followed on from a variety of proposals, uh, recommendations from the Law Commission. Legislation got its royal assent back in February of this year. Now, importantly, this legislation sits alongside the Charities Act of 2011. It doesn't take anything away from that legislation, and particularly for auditors and for accountants. The main focus of what we need to do when preparing accounts, doing an independent examination, uh, having an audit, those rules will remain in the Charities Act of 2011. So the 2022 legislation is not a consolidating act. What it really does, it focuses on things that trustees will be allowed to do. In essence giving the trustees a a good bit more flexibility in a number of areas and clarifying in other areas as well so in terms of accountants auditors independent examiners please still make reference to the 2011 legislation uh, when you are putting uh, references in your audit reports your independent examination reports so what of the Charities Act of uh, 2022, as I say, giving greater flexibility to uh, to trustees and, and therefore to charities. The first thing that it does is uh, in looking at fundraising appeals. Now, sometimes fundraising appeals uh, fail. They don't raise the money that uh, was intended and sometimes of course that money ends up being uh, returned to those who have given the money or indeed going back to those who have donated the money uh, with a request that uh, could we use it for some other purpose the change in the legislation allows the trustees to use the amounts that have been donated for the failed appeal Provided the amounts that have been denoted are less than £120 per person, that that money can be used for a similar purpose without recourse to going back to the original donor. Now, of course, an appeal could put something like that in its place to say, well, whatever we raise, will go for this purpose, but if we don't raise that money, it can go on to this, but the legislation is allowing for that uh, for amounts of up to £120, even if it's not stated uh, in the fundraising appeal. Second one that I'd like to mention to you in brief uh, is to talk about unincorporated charities. Unincorporated charities where they wish to make amendments to their constitution. Now, some things still will need to be uh, taken to the Charity Commission for their approval, certain things such as changing their op- changing the objects, uh, the dissolution clause. So certain things have to go to the Charity Commission. But other than, other than that, it's an opportunity for unincorporated charities to look at their constitution, to refresh it, to bring it up to date. And unless it's affecting major things, uh, then it won't. Uh, Uh, need Charity Commission approval. So for example, if you've got an unincorporated charity uh, which says it requires to have an audit, well, we could change that to an independent examination or to change it along the lines of to say it will need an audit or an independent examination subject to the size criteria uh, set out in legislation. Third one is changes to the objects clause now, that's affecting all charities, uh, whether we're dealing with charitable companies uh, or, indeed, whether we're dealing with unincorporated charities. Um, if it's minor changes to your objects clause, minor little changes, uh, then there would be no need to go to the Charity Commission. However, if it's a major change... Uh, There's change at both ends of the spectrum here, so if it's a minor change, don't need to go to the Charity Commission. At the moment, of course, we do need to go to the Charity Commission, but now what the legislation is doing is to putting in place rules that the Charity Commission must follow when they are giving that approval. Previously, it's uh, it's just been left on the basis that if the charity can put a good case to the Charity Commission, then they would get their approval. Uh, but now rules will need to be followed by the Charity Commission. So, if you want to get in quick, uh, maybe uh, maybe review your uh, objects clause before these changes. Should just add that although the legislation has been uh, put in place and we've got the Royal Assent, uh, the uh, the Charity Commission itself uh, will be bringing forward uh, the the stages of how these things and when these things will get get implemented so to that degree it's affecting uh, charities in england and wales of course uh, charities in scotland in northern ireland are uh are uh, 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 subject to devolved uh, legislation so this affects charities in england and wales the fourth one just to mention uh, is to deal with the sale of land uh, at the moment, if a charity wishes to sell land, then they must get they must get a, a report, commissioner report from a qualified chartered surveyor, a RICS member of the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. That has been relaxed now, uh, such that we, we need to make sure that if we're selling land, the charities selling land, they need to get appropriate uh, appropriate report now may be that rather than going externally to get somebody to give that report as a charter surveyor you might have that expertise internally and indeed it might even be possible to go externally to somebody who isn't a charter surveyor but has got appropriate experience to be able to give advice in that field fifth one is uh, where charities have got a permanent endowment Permanent endowment, really, to that degree, two things on permanent endowments. First one is that where a charity does have a permanent endowment, they would be able to borrow against that, which might be particularly helpful if you, if the charity is perhaps uh, struggling a little bit in terms of resources, reserves, and so on, that we can borrow. Uh, that's the first thing with the permanent endowment. And the rule particularly is that, uh, the charity could borrow up to 25% of the value of the uh, permanent endowment without going to get the charity commission's permission. Of course, you can uh, beyond 25%, you'll be still able to go to the charity commission and ask for permission, but up to 25%, and provided the loan is repayable within 20 years of its start, uh, then um, the charity can do that themselves without getting the permission. There's also a slight uh, relaxation of the rule, which says that if you have a permanent endowment, the the funds need to be uh, invested for a financial return, a financial return, which is gonna make money out of the the purpose of these funds. That has been relaxed on the basis that it could now be for social investment purposes. So you're still providing a charitable objective, but it's a social investment rather than a financial return that is, is being looked at specifically. Next one, I think this is six on our list, is to uh, just mention ex-gratia payments. Now, ex-gratia payments, provided, of course, they are indeed an ex-gratia payment as defined, hitherto we've had to go to the Charity Commission to get permission. Now, um, or indeed when we get the rules and the date of change for this following the uh, uh, 2022 Charities Act, uh, it would be possible for trustees to go ahead with an ex-gratia payment without, without needing to get Charity Commission approval. Now, there's a cap on this, uh, which is no more than £20,000, but also subject to what the charity's income is, uh, and also on the basis that it is indeed uh, an ex-gratia payment. And number seven on my list, there's nine in total. Number seven is legacies, on incorporation and uh, and mergers. Often what happens is that a number of charities come together. Imagine you've got, there we are, five charities coming together as one. Each of those previous five charities, uh, their funds get transferred, the net assets get transferred into the new charity. But of course, those previous five charities might uh, might have had Um, people who had left money to them in a legacy. So if you've got charity A, B, C, D, and E, and they become charity F, if somebody's left money to charity A or B or all the way through to E, um, that money should really go to those charities. Um, However, when we get these mergers, there is a register of mergers. So provided that merger does get registered, what we can say is we've left money to charity A, Ah, charity A doesn't exist anymore. The register merger says now it's part and of charity F, so let's uh, let it flow through to, uh, to to charity F. But sometimes what you'd find is that uh, somebody's uh, legacy in their in their in their will says, "I leave this money to charity A, provided it is still in existence." And because of that, a lot of charities, you know, we've got A, B, C, D, and E and becoming uh, charity F. What Charity F will probably do is say, well, I'll keep all those five charities as shell charities with a lot of the administration burden of that. So if perchance we do get a legacy coming in, we can then pass it on to, um, to Charity F. The little change here now is that even if it says in the legacy, I leave money to Charity A, if it is still in existence, provided you've got it on the register of mergers, in essence, it is still in existence because it's flowed through to, uh, to Charity F. So no need, therefore, to keep those shell charities provided you get it on the register of, uh, uh, of mergers. The eighth one, penultimate one, is sometimes there can be an uncertainty surrounding a trustee's appointment. And where that is the case, uh, the legislation now allows for the charity commission to ratify an appointment. It can sometimes happen in a variety of situations. And we go, Are we? I mean, has there been a defect in, the, uh, in this trustee's appointment? Was it done properly? And uh, there's some sort of question mark over it the charity commission can ratify, just present the information appropriately there. And then the final one um, is just to deal with instances where trustees aren't just providing services to the charity, they may also be providing goods to the charities. So provision of services, well it may be, it may be that um, that is precluded in the charity's constitution. Um, Or, indeed, it might be that the charity's constitution is silent on the matter. If it's silent on the matter, the trustees themselves can decide. Um, If it's precluded, obviously, possibly try and change your constitution. If it's silent on the matter, then the trustees can decide. If it says go to the Charity Commission, well, you'd need to go to the Charity Commission. Um, Maybe, again, that's something that could be changed in your constitution. Um, But that's hitherto only been possible where a trustee is providing services to uh, the charity. People use that and people can appropriately be paid having got the appropriate approval. Of course, bearing in mind that we don't have a clause in there saying it's precluded. But where where a trustee is providing goods to the charity, that at the moment is not permitted. So it's allowing that to happen, provided, of course, the trustees in general are making decisions or management of the charity are making decisions in terms of what is best for the charity so are we getting better you know we can get better value for money uh, by buying these things from this trustees uh, entity this trustees subsidiary or this trustees company um wh- wh- whoever it may be that the trustee if it's supplying goods or services that will be possible obviously subject to what it may set out in the uh charity's constitution so a lot of things there as we set out at the start to do with making things a little bit easier for trustees obviously it's uh, going to be implemented really over the next 12 to 18 months it is only affecting charities in england and wales as we've already said we'll get our timescale in due course from the from the charity commission but nonetheless with some of those things you know as accounting practitioners as auditors it's not really affecting us uh, from our reports it may be something that we're suggesting to our charity clients that we would uh, advise them to get legal advice if they're uncertain about those things. But that's where we're at. That's the Charities Act of 2022. Um, I hope you found that useful, uh, interesting and relevant to you. Thanks very much, everybody. See you again.